We are made to worship. At our core, each and every one of us is a worship. That's our core function, to worship. That's who God made us to be. Except for one thing, we are designed to devote our worship to the God who made us. The great leader Moses, he laid that out for us very clearly in Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 and 5. This is no small passage in the Bible. In fact, Jesus quotes Moses right here when he issues the great commandment to the church. Listen to what Moses says. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Stop right there. The Lord our God is one. That's who God is. Moses is saying, hear, hear me now. Listen up. Pay attention. I'm about to say something big. I'm about to say something real important. God is one. Yes, God is three persons, Father, Son, and Spirit, but at his essence, at his core being, he is one. This is a statement of exclusivity. God is one. He is the only one. And so we turn to who we are and what we're to do as a result. We go on. Verse 5, you, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. We are worshipers, and we are to be undivided in our devotion to our God and maker. Love God with all your heart, soul, and might, right? This isn't a picture of just various components of your person, but rather it's a statement of your whole being. We are to give him all. That's it. Everything about us is made to love our God and maker. We are worshipers, and we are to worship God with undivided attention. But I wonder and I fear I fear about our worship in the midst of an increasingly distracted age. In this digital age, when our devices tend to move us, I fear where our devotion is going. We are being moved. I'm just afraid that we're not being moved to God. That's my fear for you. That's my fear for me. That's my fear for my children. I'm Nick Crawford. I'm one of the pastors here. I've been a device owner for over half my life, and I'm, I'll say it, I'm in my fourth decade now, okay? One laugh. My first cell phone was a hand-me-down Nokia with an awesome snake game on it. The thing was a brick. You could, like, drop it on the floor, and it would break the floor. Y'all know that? You remember that phone? Some of you guys? Yeah, of course. We know that phone. I like devices. I really do. I really like devices. They are useful. My sermon notes are on a device right now. I'm using a device to speak to you. It's amplifying my voice. We use devices to communicate to these screens. These devices are useful. They are very good. I'm not against the smartphone, but what I'm saying is I've just spent a lot of time on it. So what I'm saying to you now is that I need this message too. I'm preaching to me just as much as I'm preaching to you today. The sermon today is titled, Left to Our Own Devices, We Get Distracted. And it's interesting. That word device comes from a similar word, device. We often see this word in the drafting of last wills and testaments. When you get to the part where you're like giving all the stuff away, you usually see a line that looks like this. I hereby devise and bequeath. And then you fill in the blank with all your cash to fund her in church, right? Yeah. That word devise means to divide. It means your intent to divide up, to distribute. You are literally dividing up your property amongst your people. And so we come to the big idea today. Left to our own devices, we get distracted. Our devotion gets divided. 
Our problem, though, here it is. We don't really want to change. We really don't want to change here. The world is working against us here. We are addicted to distraction, and what I submit to you all today is that we are being trained in this way. And here's how they've done it. The makers of these great devices have funneled all of our previous tools into one tool that fits in your back pocket. We used to go to the library, now we can carry the whole library in our pocket. We used to have to carry a day planner, now you got three calendar apps. You used to have to unfurl the atlas on your way to Disney World. Now you just point your car out the driveway, sync up to your favorite navigation app, and schedule your bathroom breaks on the fly. This is how they've done it. Our tool, uh, our, our device is no longer one tool in a myriad of a toolbox. It is the tool. We have been trained to depend on these things, and now we are being exploited. This is who we're up against, too. Check this out. When the CEO of Netflix, Reed Hastings, was asked if he was worried about the increasing competition from uh, video streaming content providers like Amazon Prime, YouTube, and some others, he shrugged. He flat out dismissed it. He said, I'm not worried about them. Not worried about those guys. Mr. Hastings, have you seen the market share? They're encroaching on your market share. Are you worried? Not worried about them. Those are not my competitors. Our number one competitor is sleep. Wow. That's probably the most sinister thing I've heard or seen in the last three years. No joke. That's who we're up against. Pastor John Mark Comer Comer warns in his book on the elimination of hurry from your lives, which I highly recommend. He says this, your phone doesn't work for you. It works for a billion-dollar corporation in California. You're the product, not the customer. And it's your attention that's for sale along with your peace of mind. People are taking aim at our sleep and our very peace of mind, and we are losing here, church. It is a problem. We do need to change. Just look at the outcomes of our distracted lives. All these things are on the rise here. Depression, anxiety, heart-wrenching fatigue, chronic loneliness, just to name a few. Now, compare those to the fruit or the outcome of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, Patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Where are we? So what's at stake? What's at stake here? What is this distracted life doing to us? At best, it's dividing our devotion between the makers of these devices and the maker of all that is seen and unseen. And so we come to the scripture for today, Psalm 46. Turn in your Bibles or turn, on to, turn it on. That's fine. It's, it's okay. No shame here, okay? My fear is that nobody will use their device today. You may want to use airplane mode when you turn it on, but it's okay. Psalm 46, okay? Now, just a heads up, I'm going to hang out there. I'm going to hang out here for the, for the duration, so you might want to leave it on so you can follow along. Let me pray while you guys turn. God, you are one. You are one. You are exclusive, God. You are the only one. You are worthy of all of our worship and all of our attention. God, these devices have us here, and they're winning. We do need a breakthrough. Would you grant it to us today? Guard my tongue. Let every word that comes from my mouth point to Jesus, our Savior, the one who can actually defeat this adversary for us. Lord, I love you, and I thank you for the privilege to speak to your church. And I ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, 
though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling, Selah. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress, Selah. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes war cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in all the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Left to our own devices, we become distracted. So how do we redirect our devotion from these distracting devices and back to our God and maker. To live an undistracted and devoted life, we need to consider the design of our devotion. We need to evaluate the direction of our devotion, and we need to redeem the discipline of our devotion. Consider the design, evaluate the direction, and redeem the discipline of our devotion. Consider the design of your devotion. God made us to run to him and stay there. Verse 1, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. God is our refuge. The emphasis here is on God alone, no thing else. Refuge means shelter and stronghold. It means the place to where one flees. Except here, the refuge isn't so much a place as it is a person. It's God. It's the almighty creator of the universe. Consider some scripture on this. Psalm 62, 7 and 8, on God rests my salvation and my glory. My mighty rock, my refuge is God. Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Proverbs 14, 26, in the fear of the Lord, one has strong confidence and his children will have a refuge. Joel 3, 16, the Lord roars from Zion. I love that picture. The Lord roars from Zion and utters his voice from Jerusalem, and the heavens and the earth quake. But the Lord is a refuge to his people, a stronghold to the people of Israel. Refuge is special in the Bible. In fact, God established these cities of refuge back in the Old Testament. These were places that people would run to when they were in trouble to receive a fair trial, and they would run there in the midst of the highest degree of chaos. But what's interesting about this city of refuge is that it wasn't merely a place to run to. It was a place to remain. In fact, Numbers 35, 28 says, he must remain in his city of refuge. God designed us this way. He is the refuge, the stronghold, the place of peace. And he's present too. God is a very present help in trouble. He's present. God is close enough to do something about your problem. He's present for you. He meets you at your point of need. He meets you right where you are, even in times of great trouble. And look at the outcome. When we run to God in verse 2, it says, Therefore, therefore, we will not fear. The outcome of running to God, safety, security, peace, no fear, even in the midst of great chaos. Therefore, we will not fear though the earth gives way. Yes, that is the design. That's the design. Well, a couple, uh, not a couple weeks ago, last week actually, it's, I'm trying to put it way back in my memory, 
but last week, I had the great honor and privilege of officiating the wedding of some friends of ours, and my family got to come along. I love officiating weddings. There's, a, it's like, there's two pictures in, to me in the Bible uh, that just paint a clear picture of the gospel, and marriage is one of them. I love doing weddings, and I love it especially when my family can come along. Now, we were all excited. My kids were looking forward to this day for two to three weeks prior, and we were pumped. Except one thing, just one small thing, one small thing. The wedding was in Oxford. That's enemy territory for our bulldog family, right? It's the danger zone. I got some rebels in here. I'm kidding. Kind of. The people were great. Oxford is so fantastic. We were treated like royalty too. Man, it was so fun. I got to dance with my daughter. My son got a private tour of the baseball facilities. I got to play catch with my boy on Swayze Field. And that's kind of high up there for me. Really high up there. I got the field to myself with my son. We got to play catch. It was awesome. Man, and here we go, the coup de grace. We got free tickets to the All-American Club at the Pavilion to watch Ole Miss play Vanderbilt and basketball. Man, it was fun, and that's the way to do it, let me tell you. Now, also, we're potty training, okay? We're potty training, and to be fair, honestly, like going to games, it's, it's, not, it's not a regular thing for our family. It's a rare treat for us. So we didn't have that clear bag. You know that clear bag that you need to get in the stadium? We didn't have that. So no clear bag meant no diaper bag. But no diaper bag, no big deal. I just stuffed the diaper in my back pocket. We're in the stadium. Rock and roll, right? Not 10 minutes in. Not 10 minutes in, my little princess has an accident in the All-American Club. And I'm stuck, man. I'm stuck. I got a diaper, but I didn't pack extra pants. I'm stuck, need to buy some pants in the pavilion. And wouldn't you know it? Wouldn't you know it? Go figure. The only thing that you can purchase in the pavilion comes in red and blue. My little princess got an oversized Ole Miss basketball t-shirt that she wore like a dress, and the lady behind me thought she was so cute, she gave her an Ole Miss basketball jersey too, which she loves. <laughs> so does my son. Look, six years of parenting the boy, three years of parenting the girl. We have trained our kids up in the way that they should go. They love Hell State. They love the cowbell, but right now, they're singing hotty toddy. We've designed them to run to maroon, but right now, they're divided between red and blue. Over the course of the weekend, we got distracted and our worship, as broken and fallen as that is, got divided. God designed us to run to him and stay there. So where are you running? To what are you running? And what does this reveal about who you know God to be? If you believe that God is near, you're more likely to run to him. But if you believe that God is far, you're more prone to run to something else. Look, our devices, as good as they are, they have rewired us entirely. We can't wait anymore. We just don't have the patience. We've been preconditioned to expect immediate answers. So think about what that does to your devotion when God doesn't answer your prayer right away. Maybe if God doesn't answer us immediately, we'll run to something else and stay there. Consider the design of your devotion. God is the refuge, and he designed us to run to him and stay, but... Left to our own devices, we get distracted. So we need to examine the direction of our devotion. God designed us. He designed us to look up and find peace, but instead we swipe down to refresh. We swipe down, running the lesser things for our peace. We want to live the devoted life, but we fall victim to distraction and our devotion gets divided. We read verse 1 and we're like, yes. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. The truth is, 
Our lives probably look more like the chaos in verses 2 to 3 than the, than the peace that's described in verse 1. Look at these word pictures if you've got your Bible out in front of you. Look at the word pictures that the psalmist paints for us in verse 2 and 3. Here, the psalmist imagines the return of chaos. The earth gives way. The mountains be moved in the heart of the sea. Waters roar and foam. Mountains tremble at its swelling. This is not a happy scene. These are big, monumental things, and they are being moved. You see, mountains don't move on their own. Waters don't roar and foam on their own. These great things must be acted upon. They must be disrupted. Left alone, mountains and waters are still. They are at peace until something moves them. And that's like life, right? Things move on us. We're disrupted. We're divided. We are moved. My fear is that we are being moved, just not to God not to our refuge. I'm afraid that the direction of our devotion these days involves swiping down. But again, our problem, we don't really want to change here. We know, intuitively, we know that something's happening to us, but it's just the way things are. It's normal. It's not murder, right? Let me strike a contrast for you. Let me show you a contrast. Chris and I went on a date a few weeks ago. We had the kids. That's how things are these days. So we went to Aplos, great place for the family. You can turn the kids loose, keep an eye on them, kind of, and learn how to talk to each other all over again. It was nice, man. We sat outside right next to a big eight-top table that was full of life. Man, this table drew us in. I loved it, full of noise, laughter. They were making fun of each other. It was fun. I wanted to be a part of it. They were even showing signs of empathy. I wanted to join them. This, 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 this table was acting like a family. They weren't a family, but they were acting like a family. Now, when they left, they paid their bill, got up out of there, and another eight top took their seat. This table was different. They were silent. They were silent. No noise, no laughter, no life, no real signs, no real evidence of any real relationship whatsoever. Their silence actually disturbed me and Kristen, so we looked up and we see all eight people looking at their screens. We are like this, though. All of us, if we're honest, get distracted in some way just like this. We literally go out to be with people, and we are incapable of being present with them. We're distracted, and it's robbing us of life and meaningful relationships. As if we don't have enough relational barriers as it were, we insert a screen in between our faces. Church, there is a current in this stream. If we don't know how to swim in it, we're going to be carried away by it. So gut check. How present are you? At work? At meetings? In church? During worship? During the sermon? How present are you at home? This constant chatter, the buzzes, the pings, they distract us from being where we are. That haunting red dot that says, still more work left to do. We can't ever be here because we're constantly being pulled somewhere else. And if we can't be here, then the chances are you're not able to see the people right in front of you. God designed us to be present with the people that matter so much to him. Check out what these facts tell us about the direction of our devotion today. According to a 2016 study, now this is dated, right? According to a 2016 study, we check our phones once every 4.3 minutes of every waking hour. That means you're going to check your phone eight to nine times during the course of this message. 
We pick up our phones 58 times a day with 30 of those coming during normal work hours. The average person spends about a minute and 15 seconds every time they pick the phone up, which means we lose 37 minutes of work time every day just to picking up our phones. Employers, how you feeling about that? We average 48 notifications a day. I don't know about you guys, but my screen time app says I'm well above average there. According to a 2018 study, the average American, 18 and over, spends over five hours a day on video with about an hour and 15 of that coming from your smartphone or your iPad. So we spent, do the math, we spent over 600 hours this January and February combined consuming some form of electronic media well on our way to spending 3,800 hours this year on it. So if the average American spends 3,800 hours a year consuming electronic media, that means we spend over 60% of our waking time consuming and engaging some form of device. Church, we are consumed. The issue here doesn't align with the amount of discretionary time that we have. The issue lies with how we choose to devote that time. Study after study, we're hit with the reality that the more addicted we become to our devices, the more prone we are to depression and anxiety, and the less prone we are to pay attention and actually sleep at night. This is no longer just a small game of snake for me. We allow these devices to move us. And so our lives look like the chaos described in verse 2 and 3, not the peace described in verse 1. Consider what the apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 6, 12. 1 Corinthians 6, 12, he says, All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by anything. So we return to verse 1 and the design of our devotion. God is the refuge. Run to him and find peace. But could it be the reason that we aren't at peace is because we're too busy or too distracted? Church, God is not found in the rush. Psalm 32, verse 6. Therefore, let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you at a time when you may be found. Surely in the rush of great waters, they shall not reach him. Are you reaching God? Are you reaching for something else? When we direct our devotion to our devices, we find chaos, not a present helper. But there is a way to live in such a way that we would be immovable. It's time to redeem the discipline of our devotion. It's interesting, if not instructive, that the journey with God is called walking and not running. In fact, the only time in Scripture that I'm aware of that the Father is characterized as running is when he's running to his lost child in Luke 15. The beauty of the gospel church is that our God runs to us. There's a contrast in Psalm 46 between an internal peace and an external chaos The psalmist contrasts the troubled waters and the movable mountains of verse 2 and 3 with an immovable city in verses 4 and 5. In verse 5, there's an internal peace that makes the city of God immovable because God is in the midst of her. But outside the city is chaos. Verse 6, the nations rage, the kingdoms totter. This is a picture of war. And it's a telescope into the hope for our souls. Inside, we can be at peace even when chaos knocks from outside. We come to the last part of verse 6, and peace is accomplished. We read, God utters his voice, and the earth melts. Did you catch that? God makes peace by his word. 
God makes peace by his word. The psalmist is not presenting God as some kind of peace negotiator here. No, he's a conqueror. He breaks the bow, shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. This is a military song. Martin Luther wrote the great hymn, A Mighty Fortress is Our God, after Psalm 46. We've talked before about some coffee cup theology. So stay with me here. Against the backdrop of a military conquering God, we read verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. I'm not demeaning that verse, but you'll see it on some coffee cups. We've talked about that in the past. This is a coffee cup verse, but coffee cup theology won't defeat your digital distraction for you. Coffee cup theology won't restore our divided devotion. This isn't so much advice here to lead a contemplative life as it is to live a life of surrender. Lay down your arms and acknowledge that God has purchased, he's already defeated the adversary for us. You can live a life of peace through the work of Jesus on the cross. Do you believe that today? Jump back to the immovable city of God. What makes that city at peace? What makes that city immovable? God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. Don't miss this. The great city shall not be moved because God chose to live there. The Lord of hosts is with us. God came to us. That's how we can be still and know that he is God and we are not. God came to us. God accomplished our peace by sending his word to us. Jesus is the personification of this psalm. Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. That's how we can be still and know here. He defeated our adversary for us. And God's goal, God's goal for choosing this city out of the world is that his word might go forth from that city to the whole world, bringing all people to live in perfect peace with one another. Indeed, he will see to it that the mission will be accomplished. Remember the last words of the Great Commission. Behold, I will be with you even to the end of the age. I talked a little bit about my daughter earlier. Let me show you her. Look at that. I did her hair that morning. <laughs> Isn't she precious? Yeah. I don't, look, if you don't think she's precious, I don't think we can be friends. I mean, we, I, Jesus is bigger, but I don't know if we could be friends, right? Now, listen, I want you to zero in on that little finger. You see that finger? About two inches long, tops. It's probably the small, one of, at least one of the smallest things in our whole house, yet it packs the most power. And she wields that power ferociously, man. I'm telling you, man, she points, boom, things happen. That finger is like Cinderella's fairy godmother, bippity-boppity-boop, and things happen. Okay, she can control our 90-pound dog. She can control her older brother, and you better believe that she's got me wrapped around that little finger. That little finger is powerful. That little finger can lead really big things. And so it is, just like that little finger. There are some small things that we can do with our devices that can help us redeem the discipline of our devotion. Look, it's a well-known fact that Steve Jobs actively shielded his children from his devices. So it begs the question, if the creator of the greatest device in human history actively shielded his own children, maybe a few self-imposed barriers would be good for us too. Charles Spurgeon, the great preacher, said, Permit not your minds to be easily distracted, or you will often have your devotion destroyed. We have got to take time to listen to the voice that melts the nations, but whispers, Be still and know that I am God. How much time did we carve out last week just to be still with Him?
How much time have you spent with him in prayer recently? There are some benefits to this. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with, your thanks, with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Just like a soldier guards a city, so God's peace will guard your heart and your mind in Jesus. But our devices are training how we pray. These phones are teaching us that communication must be carefully edited. So compare your Instagram feed with your prayer life. Look, God doesn't want the edited feed. He didn't die for the edited feed, right? He wants the live feed, the one with all the errors and the mistakes. Remember, church, I'm preaching to me too here. I'm preaching to me too. I'm swimming in the same current, and I've had to do some things differently to swim against it. Here are some things that I have found helpful to help redeem the discipline of my own devotion. Schedule a daily appointment just to be still, to be with God, to be still and know that He is God. Use the sleep function on your phone to put that thing to bed before you and wake up after you. Use your calendar app to create a prayer theme for every day. This is what mine looks like. Monday, I pray for my disciples. Tuesday, I pray for my wife and my children. Wednesday, I pray for the families in my small group. Thursday, I pray for the families of my coworkers. Friday, I pray for me. Pray for you. Saturday, I pray for our community. Sunday, I pray for my pastor and my leaders. Use the Screen Time app to monitor your usage and use that to see how you've directed your devotion. Use your device to set a limit on the amount of time you spend on social media each day. Use airplane mode when you're meeting with people. Keep phones away from your conversations to eliminate the distractions so that you can be present with them. As we close, Ben, you guys can come on up. I'm back to the question. How can we be still and know, right? How can we be still and know in the midst of all this distraction? Because God's word came to us. God's word came to the world. Our devices push and pull us, leading us and bending us into a life of fear, anxiety, and depression. Yet God's word melts that enemy. So we don't have to work out our own peace. We simply have to devote our time to rest in the one who made us. Don't let these devices destroy your devotion. Allow them to enhance it. When the allure of the phone pulls you in, push back. Push back to protect your devotion and your ability to be present with the people that matter so much to God. Would you pray with me? God, you are the only one. You are exclusive. Thank you so much for these devices, God. I can use technology to talk to somebody around the world. We can become close because of the creation that you've given us, God. You've given us creativity to invent things, Lord. In so doing, we're, we're, we're declaring the world that you are the creator over all things. God, but help us use wisdom as we engage these devices. Help us to swim against the current if we have to. You've put the power of resurrection in us, Lord. You've defeated the adversary for us. God, these devices really have a stranglehold on us this day. We might need a breakthrough. Would you help us? Would you help us here today so that we can redeem 
the devotion that is so rightly yours. In Jesus, I pray, amen. Church, this is a little time of response. We carve it out every Sunday. Um, we're gonna, what we're going to do is two things. Uh, ushers, we're going to take up the offering. We're going to receive the offering. And uh, this is a time for prayer. If you're beaten up over this, I pray that that's the Holy Spirit. I stand before you as one who's guilty of everything I just preached against. I'm preaching to me too. We do need the prayer to pray. That's a good place to start. Remember, the peace of God can guard your minds and your hearts in Jesus. So this altar is always open for you to pray. If these devices have a stranglehold on you, prayer is a good place to start. This altar is yours. Let's worship.